Welcome to Ella Go. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Ella Go Podcast. Today's guest is Carrie Lynn Miller, and I'm going to read Carrie Lynn's bio. Uh, she is an award-winning filmmaker and actress. Her recent short film, Etymology, which she produced and starred in, received awards and nomination for Best Actress, Best Script, and Jury Prize. It wrapped its festival run at the prestigious Hollywood Short Film Festival. So... Carrie, you are, you know, when you first came to me, I did not expect what you were going to tell me, like at all, did not. And you, you kind of blew me away a little bit. Um, and I was just like, okay. So uh, Carrie found me and we talked a bit and told me a little bit about her her background. And, and then, of course, what she's doing, which is extremely uh, profound and so important for women. And of course, when she said all of that, I was like, okay, yeah, we definitely need to have you on this podcast. So with that being said, welcome, Carrie. And if you could just introduce yourself to the listeners and and just tell them just a little bit of, you know, who you are and, and what you do. Sure, sure. No, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am an actor, writer, producer, soon to be director. Um, I've been in TV shows like Shades of Blue, Blue Bloods, um, Royal Pains. My most recent is FBI Most Wanted on CBS. And um, I've been in some off-Broadway shows um, as well as some feature films. Um, I'm a mom of a nine-year-old little boy. I live in New Jersey. I'm happily married. Um, I'm also a former athlete. And um, what else you can know about me? And you're, uh, you're amazing. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> no, it's it's not. That's not just about it. You're you're doing some really amazing things. So, um, before we get into it, I actually want to read something here that was on your your website, and we'll talk a little bit more of what you're doing. But I think it's important for me to read this for the listeners. Okay, so it says here as a recovering perfectionist. The desire to cut away any part of myself that was weak or vulnerable was a real thing to me. I often felt like I was two people, my mask and the defective, angry part hiding underneath. That is really, really powerful. So let's talk a little bit about your upbringing and what was the narrative? Because, you know, just reading that you're, you're obviously came from a place of 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 a lot of maybe even trauma, possibly, uh, or even uh, experiences that, you know, basically what was the narrative that played in your head that impacted your self-worth? Yeah, the narrative that always went in my head went something like this. There's something wrong with you and that you need to fix it. And um, I struggled with a condition called body dysmorphic disorder for, and I didn't even know at the time um, until, you know, after going to therapy and stuff for it. But it's basically when you hone in on some specific 
physical attribute of yourself. And while others may not see it as a bigger deal for you, it is like becomes all consuming. And this thing that, that is like the focus of your life that you need to fix. And that there's something wrong with you. Um, and so for me, that was my nose. And, um, I felt like I needed to hide that and I needed to, to fix it. And it was kind of like this constant narrative that was always going on in my mind. And it was like, I was never really at peace. I was always thinking about it. Like if I was out, I was like, well, how can I, you know, look a certain way or a different angle so that people aren't looking at my nose or how can I put my hair so that it, it's, it like hides it or how can I wear my makeup? And it becomes like this all consuming type of a feeling inside. Yeah. Okay. So with, with that being said, what do you think? I mean, I, I asked about the narrative and, you know, I, I talk a lot about this because, you know, and you know, this now as, you know, as we're growing up as children and our adults or teenagers, all our experiences impact the way we see ourselves. And then we play these, the, the narrative in our head. And you just explained what that narrative was at that time, you know, did you know that there was something going on or were you just like, okay, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to be focusing on this and, and I'm going to be, you know, but then I'm going to be this person when the camera goes on. I mean, what, what were your, what was your thoughts with all that? Well, well I was definitely not into acting. Acting came into my world um, much later in college. So at this point in my life, when I'm a young girl, I'm just thinking of how can I save enough money to get a nose job? How can I, um, how can I fix this, you know, so that I can, um, feel good about myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's just, I don't know exactly why that I was like that because, you know, I had a very healthy upbringing. Um, you know, I think it has a combination to do with the pressures that society puts on women to look a certain way. I know that I was obsessed with uh, beauty magazines growing up as a little girl and like always comparing myself to, to the people. And, and I never saw myself in those images looking back. Um, and, you know, I had like this beautiful mother who was like six foot one, blonde hair, blue eyes. And, you know, um, my sister, my brother, all like very attractive. And, and for the most part, like, I, if you were to see me, you would, you would say she's an attractive girl. And that's where this thing comes in where you just don't see yourself like that. And you focus in on this one area. And for me, it was my nose that I just wanted to fix. And I felt like that was my world, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to hear this because you, you have a son, I have a daughter and I know a lot of listeners have young kids and their moms as well, especially, and I want to say, especially the daughters, but in all honesty, it happens for both uh, sons and daughters. Um, when you were growing up, let's talk a little bit about that time frame because we're on a, obviously in a whole different <laughs> world now with social yeah. media. So, yeah. you know, people automatically are thinking, oh, yeah, of course, you know, social media makes it worse. But, you know, talk a little bit about what a, what year range was that where, you know, you're looking at the magazines. Can we just, you oh, know, sure. Yeah, that was like high school. And and it was very um, like nowadays, I feel like if 
you were to talk about this with your daughter, it might, there's more knowledge around this subject. Um, but when I was growing up, it was, I was made to feel ashamed for how I felt because it's, you're a healthy girl, you know, you're attractive, you know, what's wrong with you versus, you know, if somebody had like maybe an eating disorder or something like that, that would be something that could, people could get their heads around more. But for what I was experiencing, I know I don't blame my parents at all, but I think that they just didn't know what the heck that was. They're like, she's a healthy girl. And, you know, kind of just made me feel like God made you this way. And for you to feel like you want to change that, there's something wrong. Like that's, that's not right. So, you know, I struggled with this in my, my, my teenage years. And it's like during those years that when you have these feelings, then there's different well, you know, like anytime you're feeling like insecure about something, some sort of event, whether it's a huge traumatic event or it's just something somebody says can really solidify that for you. And then it becomes like your truth. And you're like, yep, see, I was right. See, I do need to fix this. Like this is, there's absolutely something wrong with me. And I think it was like combinations of, you know, feeling that way and then having, being so hypersensitive and hyper aware of it, that anytime anything was said or mentioned about that, it was like, oh yeah, see, they see that too. Or yeah, this is exactly, this is my point. Right. So it's this, it was this, you know, perpetual cycle of shame, you know, like feeling ashamed for something that you didn't necessarily have control over, but then feeling ashamed for then wanting to change it too, because, you know, God made you that way. Mm, Okay. So we're, are we talking like 1990s, 1980s? I'm just trying to give people an idea. Um, Yeah. Like this is the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to say, I, I wanted you to say that because even in that time, we didn't have the social media like we do now. And yet, you know, we had the magazines, you know, yeah. and, yeah. you know, we were all obsessed about, I remember Elle magazine was just like, oh my gosh, all those beautiful women. Um, and yet we still, as young women had, uh, that media outlet to, to compare ourselves, you know, we didn't have the social media, but we had that. So, you know, I wanted people to recognize that, that I don't know if it's, well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like it's worse now, or do you think that it's the same or what are your thoughts on that? I think that the feelings are still the same, but now with the magnification of social media, it's much more worse. It's much worse because there is this ideal of perfection that is construed upon every single, you know, Instagram post or Facebook post between the filters, between you know, the selfies, it's just, everything is about, you know, is my skin flawless? Is my nose perfect? Is this shading, right? Is this hair color, right? And it's, it's become all consuming, I think. Yeah. And and people are always on their devices. So it's like, they're constantly like, at least you could take the magazine and throw it away. I mean, in some cases, this is where it gets tricky for me because I say yes and no, because in my mind, I was all consumed by it, but I can't imagine being that age and then having being all consumed by it and then having all of these outlets to constantly compare yourself and to belittle yourself, um, I think is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much easier now with the the phones and, and yeah, it's so, so much easier. Okay. So with that being said, you going through this journey, you know, what do you think had to happen for you to have like this, you know, um, moment where you're like, 
you accepted yourself and and had self-love. After I graduated from college, I had no job. And um, then I felt bad about that, as I, as I shared before. And it was around that time that I was getting into acting and taking different acting classes. And the cool thing that I love so much about acting is that you could just show up so raw and vulnerable. And it wasn't about necessarily how you looked. It was about the energy that you were conveying to another human being. It was about connecting with somebody. And it was a really freeing experience for me to be able to kind of take that mask off. Right. And I had a great acting teacher, Terry Knickerbocker, that would really push that. And he would, he could kind of see like what your issues were and really push you to show up as vulnerable as possible and encourage you to take those those steps of letting people really see you, letting people really see you for who you are. So that really helped me. Um, and then around the same time, my day job was I was in pharmaceutical sales and I was selling Botox and Juvederm and Latisse and Kythera and like all of these cosmetic drugs to plastic surgeons and dermatologists. So it was weird because I'm in this world now, which is all about perfection and everything. And I'm struggling with it. And, um, and it's also like, I have all these devices like that at my fingertips that I could use and do, um, that, that it just, it it was, it was very much, I was in that world for 10 years and it was there that I kind of got to talk to so many different women. And I did realize that I wasn't alone, right. That so many women equate the way that they look with their self-worth But one thing I realized is that there was like these two groups of women. There was one group that was like very confident, very much like, you know what? I like who I am. I'm here to get a little Botox and what that's I'm doing it. It's for me. And then there was another group, which I fit more into that group, which there was like this deep sense of like self-loathing where there was like, I need to fix something at this because I cannot be loved unless I look a certain way or I can't be valued by my boyfriend or whatever in this world, unless I look like this. And so I realized there was these two groups and, and I knew that there was so much emphasis on this feelings of having to look a certain way that I started to, um, become interested in that, in exploring like empowerment and where does it really come from? Does it come from outside of yourself or inside of yourself? And, um, I started to get involved with meditation and, um, it was right, right around that time that I started writing this screenplay too. So about nine years ago, I started writing the screenplay. And so I think it was like this cathartic journey of like being in the middle of it and trying to get on the other side through like meditation and therapy and, and then finally, and, and having such empathy and compassion though, too, for finally myself and so many of us of what we're like going through, you know, as women and the pressures. Um, so I don't even know what the question was, but that's Carrie, no, right <laughs> Carrie. Well, first of all, you, well, first of all, you just said that not only, you know, you're going through this whole internal thing of this perfectionism and, you know, um, and how you feel about that. And then you're in the world of pharmaceutical sales which is, and you're, and you're talking about the Botox and everything. And then you're in the, the world of, of acting, which, 
you know, you're right. You know, you, you, you had a great mentor, but in someone on the outside look at, is looking like, okay, well, that's Hollywood. That's glam that you got to look a certain way. I mean, you're dealing with all these different things. How the hell did you, my God, how did you come out of that? Like that is a lot. How did yeah. you break through? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot. And I don't think that I would have, if I had not found, um, meditation and, and the reason I say that is because it was my first experience of really, truly understanding, not just mentally, but feeling that I was not my body, that I was not, that this was like a costume Mm -hmm. that I was wearing and that I was the spirit inside of myself that, that that's really who I was. And I had never had a relationship with that part of myself before then. So the meditation really gave me access to that part of myself. And that is the only reason why I came out on the other side of it is because when you, when you fully have that moment of understanding that you are more than your body, that you are something so much greater in the inside that there's something liberating about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And the fact that you, you know, and I, and I totally believe in meditation and, and of course, you know, in the here and now and, and really, you know, digging deep um, and, and getting your, your, you know, knowing yourself and finding that self love um, that's a pretty, an amazing journey. Um, with that being said, I know that you have, um, this film and it's called awaken her. Um, and there's a reason why we're transitioning to this because it's definitely very much related to your experiences. Tell us a little bit about that film. Sure. Um, you know, there's one quote that one of the characters says that I think kind of, well, it puts it in a good context, but the character says, she says, no little girl wakes up one morning and says, when I get older, I'm going to cut up every recognizable part of myself so that I can be pretty. We all think that we're pretty until someone tells us that we're not. Mm-hmm. And I think that <clears throat> that resonates so much with me because my goal here is to leave the world better than, you know, what I found it. And from my vantage point and from my pain point, what I've experienced, I want women to know that their empowerment belongs to them and only them. And with that, going back to these little girls that, you know, you and I, we grew up seeing films that were made by men, right? So that's how men see us in the world, right? So here we are, young girls going to the movie theater, our subconscious is being formed, and we're seeing the world how men see the world and how they see us in the world right? So we're the scantily clad dressed girl. We're the, the arm charm. We're the, you know, maybe not so bright, but supporting the, the male lead. Right. And so awaken her is really about the female gaze and, and, and highlighting different struggles that women, um, experience so that we can see ourselves on there in a really authentic way. And this journey from feeling like worthless to all the things that happen in between to get us on the other side of that. So for me, this story is about, um, you know, it's about a woman who she's, she's psychologically damaged at a young age and she hides her pain behind plastic surgery. And 
she starts to lose her grip on reality. And um, she has all these internal battles going on within her. And then she heads down a really dangerous path of revenge to right the wrongs from her past. So she basically goes back to the seed of things. Like, what was that moment for you that kind of changed the course of your life? You know, or what was those, what was that person or what happened that, you know, you no longer felt like that, you know, carefree young girl that was just enjoying life. Didn't really, wasn't obsessing about the way they looked, was just playing with their friends, building tree houses, having fun. What was that moment when things changed for you? And that's like what I like to explore um, in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny because that, you know, especially the intro, you, I didn't even finish. I didn't have to finish to already feel that, you know, to already resonate with that. And it actually is kind of sad um, as, as a woman, as a female that I can resonate with that. And I don't know what, you know, I, I can, I don't know what woman wouldn't um, with those experiences. So what is your mission with that? Cause I know you have like this, this fundraising, uh, thing going on campaign going on. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I have a campaign going on. It's uh, a platform we funder, which I think is great because, you know, in Hollywood, usually, um, the funding comes from accredited investors and um, this gives people, like everyday people, an opportunity to invest in a film and have equity in a film. So be able to reap the rewards if, when the film is successful, but you don't have to come in as an accredited investor. And I like that because it gives people a voice as to like, what's important to them? What do they want to see? And um, I obviously think this is really important information and like content that that I'd want to see. And that if I had a daughter, I'd want her to see. Um, so so WeFunder is a great platform where you can go, um, my campaign, it's, it's WeFunder Awaken Her, and you can see like a video about what the project is about and the why behind it. And then you can invest there if you want. And there's all these different levels and different perks you can do for it. So again, I think it's just such a cool idea because it allows people, everyday people just to come in and say, yeah, this is what I want to see. So I want to invest behind that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, okay. So basically they're prob they're part of the investment of the film. Yes. Pe- wow. So different than like a Kickstarter or, you know, GoFundMe where it's just, you're just donating, right? This is like, no, um, I'm investing in this and I'm going to get 120% return and 50% of the net profits, but I can do it for a smaller amount, like as little as $250. So, and it's cool. It gives people a part to be part of something bigger, um, like a social impact type of a film and to be like, you know, when it's at film festivals, like, Oh, I was an investor in that, you know, or some people want to be, uh, like a, have an, a, have a credit, like an associate producer, want to come to the, to the premiere, you know, like those things are fun for them and it gives people access to that. That is really cool. I didn't yeah. even know that existed. <laughs> so <laughs> Me neither until, until I was introduced to it until about five months ago. So you said, uh, a premiere when, when is that happening? Well, we have to make, we have to raise the money first um, and then we have to make the film um, and then we have to edit the film. So probably not till 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now we're in the fundraising stage of it. I love it. I love, I love that whole idea. Um, And I got to say, you know, looking at the promo, it's very enticing. 
Um, and where, where can we actually find that promo if you want to tell everybody? I mean, I know, but. Sure. Um, well, if you go to www.wefunder.com backslash awaken her, you can see the entire pitch deck. You can see the 30 second trailer, but you can also see there's a seven minute, um, we shot scene 54 and 55 from the actual script. And, um, it's about seven minutes long. And if you go on there, you can actually see that footage right there. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was already done because it looked like (laughs) I was like, when you just said, uh, we didn't start, I'm like, what? (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Um, I love this idea. Wow. Just amazing. Um, so, you know, of course, I mean, I'm going to assume that your experiences and, you know, dealing with that world, uh, influenced you or got you involved in this project? I mean, we, would, would we say that's correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the film really pulls the curtain back on plastic surgery. So um, it's really fun and exciting because I think so many people don't really know exactly what that world is like. And, you know, I lived in that world for 10 years, you know, many times I was brought into the operating room and was able to watch, you know, live surgeries. Um, so I don't think the general public really knows a lot about that world. So one, I think it's really exciting that we do that. We we give people um, a pretty graphic um, look at what is entailed when people um, go to change themselves. Um, And of course, you know, a lot of the struggles that I struggled with are, you know, highlighted in here too, that those similar pain points, like the main character is, is really hiding from hiding who she really is, um, almost has this like imposter type syndrome, um, doesn't want the world to know who she was because she's tried to change herself so much. And, um, so you really see that character's journey from that. And a lot of the psychological issues that contributed to the trauma to where she is and how she has to overcome that. So one of the questions I had when you were talking about this and going through your journey and even talking about the film, did anybody know you were going through this in your mind? Um, did anybody know? So do you mean that, that I had, that I was struggling with body dysmorphic disorder? Yes. Um, you know, even my parents, like my therapist knew um, back then, but this film has been really um cathartic for me because it caused me to have to talk to my parents about this because I remember at one point I was featured in this magazine and um, I was pretty honest about just everything. And it's really interesting because the way I was brought up, it was, I, I was brought up, it was, you don't really air your dirty laundry. Like you kind of, you don't want people to see that. And that's part of my issue. Why I had so many issues is because I was always hiding and I was, I was constantly struggling with shame, feeling ashamed of who I was, what I look like, or was I doing something wrong or was I embarrassing somebody? And so for me to have to come out and air all of it and just has been so freeing for me because that's what I was always doing was just hiding this part of myself. And so I would say that was the same with talking to my parents. It's brought us so much closer because, you know, it didn't initially, it was like a lot of like friction and a lot of fire about like, why are you doing this and all the stuff. Um, but then once we got over that hump, it actually made our relationship a lot better. 
And I think that they could actually see like what I was going through at that time. And I was also able to see that they didn't know any better. Like they were doing the best that they could. Like, and I think that's why I alluded to that earlier is that when I was that age, I, when I, when I was saying these things to my mom, I think that's she, that's all she knew was like, Hey, you know, you were, you're healthy. God made you this way. What is wrong with you? You know? And mm-hmm. versus today, I think it would be a little bit different, right. With, you know, if your daughter comes and says something to you, you might think twice, Oh, maybe, maybe we need to look at, look, look at this mm-hmm. little deeper, right. Um, so that's been really interesting, I think. Yeah. And wow, that's, uh, that's such a good point. And <laughs> cause as a parent now, I'm like scared to say anything. Um, and you're so right because, you know, back then they, you're right. They didn't know. And they're just saying something that they think in their minds is, is helping you. And then it's so interesting how, you know, we can take that and then turn it into something else. And it's like, that wasn't their in, their intentions. Um, it, it makes parenting so hard, and and it, it really is difficult. I mean, of course, it's the it's a beautiful experience, but it's not easy, and you do have to be almost very careful, especially now. Like you said, I am constantly like being careful what I said, and then I'm like, oh crap, did I just mess her up by saying that? Right. That's crazy. So, you know, you telling your parents um, was one thing, but did you have anybody like friends that were just like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Or maybe even shunning you for even saying anything. Um, So, yeah. So my coming out party has really been very as of late. Like um, I would say up until a year ago, I was still like, no one knew like around maybe they knew, I don't know, but I wasn't talking about the fact that I had a nose job. Like that was like, I would rather cut off my left arm than tell anybody that like, that was how like much I just always wanted to hide that. Right. So for me, that's just been very new, um, coming out. And I can remember the first like podcast that I actually said it. I I almost like, I was like, it, it was so hard, like for it to actually come, come out. And it's funny because I remember reading a book, um, of course, at Brene Brown, right? Everybody knows Brene Brown. And she was like, shame needs three ingredients to survive. And it's silence, secrecy, and judgment. And once I started not being silent about it, well, God, first it was like, I felt like I was dying. And then it got like a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And then finally I was, now I, I feel much more free talking about it. And And I feel like I am in some ways contributing to if anybody else is struggling with this, that it might make them feel just that they're not alone and that, that there is a way through it and they can ask for help and all different things. But as far as my friends, my friends have been really supportive and I've had friends who have struggled with this. Like I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I've struggled with the way I look for so long, whether it's this aspect of myself or that aspect of myself, whether it's I'm overweight or I don't like the way my nose looks, or I don't like this profile or this or that. And it's, and people have kind of just opened up to me and, and, and have been vulnerable about how much it really has affected their life and how they see themselves and the different things that they do to try to hide. And it's crazy, you know, but good. Yeah. 
So I can, first of all, I want to thank you so much for even sharing this story because I know it's not easy to share something where you've been told not to share. And like you just said, your dirty laundry. And I think a lot of us have, have, you know, were brought up that way. Um, and how you, you know, how you said it, it's so freeing, you know, to, to say, you know, what your, your upbringing was or what you were experiencing, but what do you think it was? I mean, even though you said you went through the therapy and you, you know, you're doing amazing things right now, but what do you think it was where, you know, yeah, sure. You're doing that internal, you know, uh, work, you're doing your work, right. With the therapist and you had your mentor and all that you're doing your self work. But then the second part of it is then actually telling people the story and being okay with it. Like, what did you just decide in one day to say, you know what, I'm just going to say it and I don't care. Or were you, I mean, how did you get to that point where you just came out to say it? Right. Because, okay, so I was writing this script for eight years, right? And every time I would write the script and I would either get feedback through a mentor or a writing group, people would say, you're not going deep enough. I still can't see you. I really don't know if I can relate to this. And I had such a wall up there. There was only so much that I would show, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. I would just give like a taste of it or dip a toe in the water. And, um... I would say about a year ago, I find it finally just hit me when I got this feedback and it was like, if you want to connect and if you want to really change the world, and that's what I hear you saying, you have to be authentic. And this isn't authentic. And like, somebody just called me out on my shit and was just like this. I know you're trying to do it, but this is such bullshit basically. And And I think I was defensive and I think I was hurt. I was like, but I knew it was so real. I knew in that moment, like I'm going to cry because I remember just feeling like, oh my God, this person is totally like speaking the truth and I just need to rip the bandaid off. So that's when I just was like, okay, this is me and this is who I am and take it or leave it. And like, it was just this moment of just like shit or get off the pot. If you're really trying to do this and you've been trying to do this for eight years and you have to be real. Yeah. And that is not, (laughs) you're making me teary eyed. That's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. And, but it's not easy to do. And I want all the women who are listening to this know that it's not easy to do, but when you did it and you even said, and I loved how you in, those of you who are listening are not seeing when she said, this is me. She put her hands out like this freedom, like this woman, this brave, empowered woman. And I felt that when you just did that, you could attest to how freeing that was. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think, yes, I feel so freeing, but when I look back at how it was like pulling teeth to try to get to that point for so many years. I mean, like, yeah, it just, it's unbelievable sometimes how long it takes for your soul to feel safe or comfortable or for feel ready. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, 
now yeah. I'm finally on the other side of that. Which yeah, is, yeah. Like, really good. I, absolutely. And because I think that what happens is we're holding on to this something that we think we have control over and we really don't. Right. And then it takes so much energy. And then the minute that you're able to, I mean, especially when you said when you were talking and I could so resonate with this as you're, you know, I can almost imagine it's like slow-mo as you're uh, saying the words and then yeah. it's like, holy shit, this really is happening. Right, and yeah. I'm really saying this and I've been holding this for so long yeah. and it's so scary. And then to let it go and you're like, oh, wasn't that bad? Okay. <laughs> All right. And then every, and just like you said, every time you say it, it, it and that is part of the therapy, that's part of the, yeah. the, the self-healing, the more you say it, the more yeah. you own it, the more yeah. you feel empowered. So that, ah, uh, yes. Amen. Me. Everything you just said there <laughs> is exactly the more you own it, like own who you really are. The gift on the other side of that is that you get this, you get this connection with people and it's real. It's not like this. Oh, I want you to see this version of myself and it's perfect and everything. It's like, no, I'm fucked up. (laughs) Like, you know, there's so much going on and, you know, that's taken me there. And it's just like, all of a sudden you feel like you can really connect with people and, and it's just so much more authentic and real. And it makes so much more of a difference to have those conversations versus the conversations I had been having prior to that, that were just on the surface, basically. Yeah. And Carrie, we could swear here. (laughs) We we keep it real here. We keep it real uh, as as real as we can. Um, No, Carrie, this is, uh, you know, I'm talking to you and I could just, you know, I could just feel it just as you're, you're telling your story and, and feeling this, this release and this, I I can just feel it. And I really hope that women are listening to this and, you know, knowing that it is such so much more freer on the other side and girl ain't easy. Okay. It's not easy, but my goodness, if you can only feel how it feels to, to own your truth and be okay with it, it is it's a feeling that I'm sure you can say this, it, you can't even explain it. It is, you it can't. is amazing. You can't. And you know, the, the other thing too, is like, whether it's somebody who's struggling with something exactly like mine, or if it's, you know, somebody who's got an eating disorder or somebody who's cutting themselves or we all hide in different ways, right? Like, don't we all hide in different ways? And that whole thing of being able to own it and being vulnerable is the only way through it. It's like, feels like more pain at the time. Like, Oh hell no, I don't want to do this. Right. But going through it is the only way really to get to the other side of it. And, um, like I said, whether it's like an eating disorder, it all stems from this underlying belief. I think at least that there's something wrong with me that, that is not right or accepted by the world. And I need to either be thinner or I need to look differently, or I can't voice my, who I am as a person. So I have to internalize it. And it's always comes from this thing though, of not being able to show up as our authentic self and being who we are. And so I think it, it can connect men too. I mean, men struggle with it also. It's just, you know, universal, this feeling of not being enough, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my, my question I was going to ask you is where are you now? I mean, I could assume where are you now with your self-love and your self-worth? Yeah, I am 
so much better. And I don't think I would be being honest if I was telling you I'd, I'm all better and a hundred percent. Cause I think it's like a daily practice that there's days that, um, yeah, I feel really good. And I'm like, I'm vibing with just energy and I feel in flow and I feel present and connected. And then there's other days that I'm like, you know, I'll look in the mirror and I'm just like, you know, uh, criticizing myself or, you know, being judgmental. And I think that I'm much better at recognizing what I'm doing and then being able to like name it and say, okay, that you're doing that thing you do. So before I go down like a big rabbit hole, I'm able to just kind of put it in its place. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we were just talking about this in the clubhouse and you just literally just said everything that we were talking about, that this is a life journey, that this is, you know, this is part of life. It's, it's up and down and that's just how it is. But the more you practice it, you just, you just hit it on the nail. You're quick to recognize it. So it's like, you already are like, okay, oh, you're doing it again. You're quick to recognize it. And then you already have the tools of what you need to do to turn it around, you know, yeah. and, and just lifting yourself back up. I mean, and then, I mean, when I say lifting b- yourself back up, I don't mean, oh, I'm happy again. You know, it just takes a, a little bit of uh, chugging up that hill again, and then yeah. you're, you're where you need to be. But that is huge. And, and I want everyone to listen that this is, this is a, this is life. This is a journey. You're constantly learning. And I'm sure, Carrie, you can even say that every day you learn even something a little bit new about yourself. They are like, oh, man, I actually could deal with that. Wow. You know, or wow. Okay. I Exactly. I could learn. Yeah. I, I'm able to pick myself up with this situation. I didn't even think that that could happen. I mean, it's you're you're vibrating at a higher level. And every time you tell your story, Carrie. So I want you to know this. You need to tell your story. Because every time you're telling your story, you are vibrating higher. And someone who's listening, another woman who's listening, you just lifted themselves up in another level. Amazing. Amazing. So don't stop. Tell your story. Be vulnerable. Be honest. Be raw. Because what you're saying right now is so profound to all the women that are listening right now. So Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for having me here and allowing me to have a moment to share and to talk with your, with your wonderful listeners. So thank you so much. So before I let you go, and I'm going to put this on the show notes because you, you ladies need to reach out to this woman and I want you to follow her and, you know, really res. I know you're going to resonate with her and, um, you know, I'm sure she's going to be open to to reaching out to everybody and connecting with people. Um, where can we find you? Sure. Um, so our campaign is on WeFunder and that's www.wefunder.com backslash Awaken Her. Um, then you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Carrie Lynn Miller, K-E-R-R-I-L-Y-N-N Miller, like the beer. <laughs> and um <laughs> Then the other two are Awaken Her Film, um, which is also on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm on LinkedIn, Carrie Lynn Miller. Um, Or if you want to just send me an email, you can send it to awakenherfilm at gmail.com. I'm so happy to connect with with anybody and have conversations. The more the merrier. 
Yeah. And I think they're, they're important conversations to have. And I think that, you know, like I said, your women are going to resonate with you and they're going to know they're not alone because they're not, we're all in this seriously. We really are all in this together. So thank you, Carrie. Thank you. You girl, you just empowered me. I feel a little ignited. Thank you so much. I really, I really am grateful for having you here. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, bye.